Hi everyone, thank you for joining me today on the Full Circle Podcast, Finding Your Way Home. I'm your host, Gillian McMichael. In this episode, we will be exploring a very important topic on how to use your own voice and communicate more consciously with impact. My guest today is Julia Harrig, with a career spanning over 25 years and in six different countries. Julia is an ICF certified executive and leadership coach whose passion is supporting ambitious, goal-orientated leaders and future leaders to find their own voice and amplify it with impact. She uses her business expertise, communication development, executive coaching and mindset and behavioral change to deliver self-discovery and learning pathways for her clients, seeking exceptional performance in their chosen fields. She helps her clients develop the behaviors, relationships and cognitive skills needed to identify their unique leadership style, overcome limiting beliefs, find their own voice and build resilience and adaptability and more than anything else, find and maximize their professional potential. A native of Toronto, Julie has lived in multiple countries all around the world and now resides in Germany with her husband and two teenage daughters. A lifelong learner, she walks her talk, having learned to speak fluent German as an adult and going from couch potato to passionate triathlete in her late 30s, now completing 21 triathlons to date. I've known Julia for a number of years and I know I'm going to learn a lot from this conversation and I know you will too. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Welcome, Julia. Hi, Hi. how are you doing? (laughs) I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited too. Gosh, it's been ages since we have been in person together. I know. I think it's four years. Is it four years? years? I mean, I know we see each other virtually. It feels like it's, you know, it was just a couple months ago. Exactly. But four years in person in London, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome to the studio and welcome to the Full Circle podcast. Thanks. So... I'm going to kick off with a few questions just really about you and your journey um, because you are an ICF professional qualified coach, yes. but you're also a communications expert, yeah. I'm going to say. That's true, yes. And you work with a lot with leaders, <laughs> helping mm-hmm. them with their impact, their mm-hmm. presence, mm-hmm. but also how they can find their voice. Very much. So communication is really key for me, as mm-hmm. it is with many mm-hmm. people, um, but I'd be really keen to explore today your thoughts on communication, how we can find our voice. Mm-hmm. But let's also hear a little bit about your story. Absolutely. Along the way. All right. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What What would you like to share with our audience? Well, um, I had a very life-changing experience when I trained to be an official coach with Full Circle. I mean, it was really one of those moments. I mean, it wasn't a moment, but it was life-changing. Absolutely life-changing. Recognizing actually that a lot of what I had been doing was coaching. I just didn't know that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also put me on a completely different trajectory in terms of how I wanted to really focus my career and where I wanted to go with it. Um, so I am a leadership coach and a communications expert. I do a lot of um, speaker coaching mm-hmm. um, as well as as leadership coaching. And it's it's been a really interesting journey in that, as as somebody once said to me, it I am an overnight success after four <laughs> years. <laughs> so tell me what that means, an overnight success after four years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of people said to me, it's going to take mm. two years to really get your business established. And I would say that that is almost to the day true. Yeah. 
However, those two years were interminably long because you actually don't have any guarantee that the business will work out. Um, and a lot of the people that I know that, you know, started on a coaching path have since changed their path because yeah. it it didn't work out. Um, so I feel incredibly fortunate that it did. Mm -hmm. um, and sort of now there's a feeling of I do get the feeling from a lot of my clients that, you know, there's this, oh, well, you've been around forever and we see, you know, your Thursday thought videos and we read your newsletter and, you know, you're clearly very, very successful. Um, and I would say it took a long time to get there. It And it felt it felt like a, a huge investment of time and energy. Mm -hmm. And I could not be happier that I didn't give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the reason for not giving up was knowing that this is absolutely what I want to do and what I'm meant to do. And I think that is a big difference, isn't mm -hmm. it? Once you know, mm -hmm. you know. You know. And it's very difficult then to give that up, isn't mm -hmm. it, really? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm glad you stayed with it. Me too. And we can talk more around your Thursday thoughts mm -hmm. and everything else that you do. But tell me a little bit more about your journey that led you to becoming a coach and to meeting me, I suppose. Well, I was doing a lot of work. Um, so I'm Canadian, as you know, I live in Germany. And I did a lot of work in my career as a communications consultant. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of work with leaders who were working on their presence and particularly in doing presentations, negotiations, and doing it in English. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my clients were German, so they wanted help with the language and also the culture is very different. Um, I mean, there are lots of similarities, but in terms of in terms of business communication, very different. Yeah. Um, and it just so happened that everybody that I was working with, there would always be, they would hire me because, you know, they had this meeting or that presentation or this event happening. And yet we would always end up talking about much more significant, deeper issues in their life. And I realized that I wasn't actually, I mean, I was giving them what they had hired me to do, but a whole lot more besides. And I felt that I wasn't necessarily doing it in the best way I could. Okay, I really wanted more tools mm -hmm. in order to do that. Um, and to feel like, you know, I knew what I was doing and that I wasn't doing any damage. Um, and to be honest, one of the one of the impetuses was that Germans love paper. So in order to do anything, you need to have they love the a certificate, don't they? <laughs> they love a certificate, the corresponding paper. Yeah. Um, and it was so interesting because I, I don't even remember what exactly I Googled. I feel like it was presentation coaching or there was I mean, coaching was definitely part of it. And it didn't matter how I framed my question in Google full circle all, always came up. <laughs> from multiple different directions. Mm -hmm. And every time I looked at other coaching opportunities, I was like, mm. there was just there was just something about Full Circle that really appealed to me. And when I got there on that first day, it, I mean, coaching is really so much about that emotional connection and that rapport. And I just walked into that room and I was like, I mean, I'm getting teary right now because it was just like, oh my God, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is what I've been looking for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And and maybe didn't even know I was looking for. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my God, I'm coming home. <laughs> really, it was totally that. It was that feeling. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Are you all right? <laughs> yeah. 
It was a really important moment in my life. Yeah. Well, it was. It's interesting. Huge, huge change to my trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, actually, when you're talking about that, I felt exactly the same way all them, I mean, all them years ago, 2003, 2004, I was the same. I was like, oh my gosh, this mm -hmm. is just life-changing. So I know it's very different for each and every yeah. one of us, yeah. but it sounds really similar to mm -hmm. what I experienced. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So communication, you are passionate about yeah. communication. Tell me why. Yes. Well, honestly, if I'm going to give the real honest answer, I would say it's because I grew up without much. Okay. And learning how to communicate well has been such a life journey for me. Right. Um, I am such a different parent to how I was parented. I'm very, I was very deliberate about being emotionally intelligent with my kids mm -hmm. um, who are now verging on 18 and 16. And they are the most emotionally intelligent people I know. I mean, I, I sometimes feel like they're more emotionally intelligent than I am. Mm -hmm. And they're just, it's just incredible how you can grow up to be so emotionally intelligent when you started with tools mm -hmm. and when you communicated from day one. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really where the communication piece came from, mm -hmm. wanting to learn how to communicate because I didn't know. Okay. And helping others to find the same tools. Mm. Because, I mean, everything revolves around communication. Yes. Leadership is about, and I say this a lot, leadership is communication. It's communication with your team and it's communication with yourself. Yes. And a huge piece of leadership is missing in a lot of the leaders that I work with because they don't have that piece of communication with themselves. It's really interesting, isn't it? So I know that you said that you didn't have communication. So when you look back on that time, we don't have to delve too far mm -hmm. back, but I'm just wondering how it felt. Cause you know, obviously in hindsight, mm -hmm. you can see that now that journey, but, but what was the impact of that? Not having that emotionally intelligent connection or dialogue with, with family? Stifled. Mm -hmm stifled. I was a voracious reader. Um, and one of the most interesting facts I've learned in recent years is in fact that the best way to learn empathy is to read fiction. Mm -hmm. Because it's the only way you can really put yourself in someone else's shoes and in someone else's thoughts. Um, and I was a voracious reader growing up. And I feel that, you know, there were so many things that wanted to come out, but they weren't either weren't well received because I didn't know how to express yeah. myself or weren't well received because there was, you know, a lack of emotional intelligence around me. Um, and so that's that's been a real growth for me. Amazing. And in terms of that sense of um, communication with self, so just as you talked there about the leaders, I'm assuming you've applied that to yourself. So Very to, much. To build that yes. relationship with communication yes. for you first. Mm -hmm. So can I inquire, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. tell, tell me a little bit more about that. Honestly, I think a lot of it was very subconscious and not as deliberate as it has been in recent years. Um, an absolute thirst for knowledge and knowledge of all directions, right? I'm not, I'm not like, I just need to know about this one particular topic. I'm very interested in all sorts of different topics. So I'm somebody who, who craves, you know, that, that sort of depth of, and breadth of, of information. So I do, I read a lot. Um, I think that was actually one of the things that really drove me to move abroad is to get to know different people and see how 
people do things differently. Mm -hmm. um, and I think learning to communicate in a different language actually helps you learn how to communicate in general. Yeah. Because you do actually have to be quite precise with your with your expression when you don't have as much at your disposal. You can't rely on cliches. You can't rely on, you know, expressing things between the lines because there are no lines. Um, and so it, I think it really does help learn how to communicate better. Because you learned to speak German. I did. As an adult. As an adult. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I take it that wasn't easy. Or was it? It was not. No. <laughs> it was not. Apparently you are at, as of age eight, your linguistic ability starts decreasing. Oh, that says why I can't learn another language. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I've tried many times. <laughs> and to learn, start learning German at 26, I mean, it's very, it's a very complicated language. I mean, yeah. it's not like learning Mandarin. Of Obviously, course, it is yeah. still a mm -hmm. European language. Um, very difficult. I credit a lot of the ability to learn language to the fact that I'm a choral singer. Mm -hmm. So I've always sung in a choir my whole life. And so I equate sort of the, you know, being able to hear the difference between, you know, B flat, mm -hmm. an A, a B is similar to, you know, with the German having a U or a U yeah. with an umlaut. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, and having the opportunity to learn a little bit more about my personality mm -hmm. by learning a different language was also really interesting because of course, so much of language incorporates culture and vice versa. And so you get to put on a slightly different personality to fit with the culture of the language that you're in. And so that was an interesting experience as well. Um, I think I'm at the point in my German now where um, I do get I do get mistaken for a native speaker a lot, which is an enormous compliment, something that never gets boring. Absolutely. <laughs> it will never get boring when people say that. But I think my personality now matches in both languages. Right. So what so tell me a little bit about that, because that's I'm really interested in that 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 difference mm -hmm. of how you can switch through the language in terms. So what was you doing back then that you're not doing now? Actually, it's interesting. Um when I was first learning German, and this is still the last little holdout, I have a really, have had an, a difficult time expressing anger in German because of course it's so all encompassing and then I just, you know, my brain sort of fizzles out. Um, and I remember a few years ago having a very frustrating conversation with my father-in-law who I genuinely love and respect, really. Honestly, my parents-in-law are fantastic. And my mother-in-law was instrumental in helping me learn German. And I remember having this conversation with, <laughs> with my father-in-law, and I got so furious because we'd sort of been having, you know, an underlying, you know, uh, argument for about three weeks. And I <laughs> stood up and I really yelled at him. And I stormed out and which is, you know, not necessarily excellent communication, but it was, you know, it was emotionally intelligent at the time. <laughs> Maybe not. And I went upstairs and I said to my husband, I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is I just shouted at your dad. The good news is I did it in German because <laughs> he knew that I could never express myself in German when I was angry. So, yeah, I think I expressed myself. But it's nice because German is very precise. Mm -hmm. um, and I tend to like precision as well. Um, and and in an, in uh, in the context of somebody who wasn't communicated with 
a whole lot. Yeah. I love precision. Mm. How do you feel right now? Tell me precisely what you're yeah. feeling in this moment. Um, and Germans don't have a lot of synonyms. Mm. They have very precise words for things. Mm -hmm. um, just as an example, they have, um, they're very clear about the distinction between being jealous and being envious. Oh, right. And we okay. switch those up yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. actually different, but we use them mm -hmm. sort of interchangeably. Germans would never do that. Um, and so I love that precision. And that I think has also really helped me with emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, I use the feelings wheel a lot with my clients. And for them, it's, it's very transformative to their communication to yeah. realize that there are actual differences in emotions and that granularity of emotion being so specific can really help with recognizing what they're feeling yeah. and also what actions they then want to take on the back of that yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. if everything is anger you're going to act the same way every yeah. time mm -hmm. if it's disillusionment or skepticism which are both in the anger family those are very different mm -hmm. so you're going mm -hmm. to act differently yeah i love the idea of bringing awareness to that because yeah. we don't actually take the time i think very often to really think about those differences and that precision mm -hmm. of the words that you're using and what does it actually mean yes in terms of how it's showing up and yeah. manifesting in your feelings mm -hmm. and emotions mm -hmm. really interesting mm -hmm. so you said then about at the beginning there around that you help leaders um really build a better communication with themselves so mm -hmm. tell me about that relationship and why is that so important why should we start with self i think so much of what 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 leaders are doing is they're setting they're creating the environment mm -hmm. and by creating the environment this is what allows for team collaboration creativity um growth learning and in order to create that environment, they need to be aware of, back to that awareness piece, they need to be aware of what it is that they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, what their, what their vision is, what their strategy is. And it's not possible to know what impact you're having on others if you don't actually know what your intentions are. So that that's really something that I say to my clients a lot that, you know, we're going to, we wanna make sure that your intention is as close as possible to the impact you're having. Mm. And often there is that gap between yeah. intention and impact, not only in recognizing what their intention actually was, yep. recognizing what their impact is and why the two are not necessarily the same. Because I don't think we always think, we can think maybe about our intention. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, this is what I want to happen. But also then the that kind of outcome might be different, the impact of, right. of what you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. So how do you get those aligned? Or how do you help your yeah. clients get yeah. those aligned? Because yeah. it's, it's a tricky one, I think. Very much, very much. I do work with a lot of German clients. Um, I would say about two thirds of my clients are German. The other third are either, you know, Canadian, English, whatever. Um, and so there is a lot, when I'm working with Germans in particular, um, I do feel that they have they already have the the concept of emotional granularity. So we do do a lot of work with the with the feelings wheel. We talk a lot about tools. Right. Because they like to have tools. So we do I do work with with the feelings wheel. We talk a lot about core values. Um and I think a lot that tends to be 
the use of tools is a way for them, a method that they are comfortable with to identify and become aware. Yeah. I love doing the core value exercise. I usually have a list of about 70 potential values. Obviously, all of them are values mm -hmm. and therefore valuable, um, but they're only allowed to pick three. That's really interesting because I think most of us would pick five, six, maybe eight. Oh, they pick like yeah. 20. Yeah. <laughs> they can usually narrow it down to about 20 and they're like, I can't, I can't get any closer. Yeah. You know, I can't narrow it down. And I said, and I always say, listen, when you are making a decision, you can't make a decision based on 20 factors. Yeah. What drives you to decide this or that, it's one mm -hmm. thing, maybe two. It's not 17. So what are those things yeah. that drive your decision making? Because these are not aspirational values. Oh, these are cool. actual core values. Um, and it's interesting to see how they often combine. You know, mm -hmm. people will sometimes combine, for example, wisdom and knowledge and learning. Yeah. Uh, others don't. And And talking through the process of, okay, I would maybe cluster these together because this is very important for me. And almost inevitably that you get to the end of that exercise and they say, wow, I never, I never would have thought that those were the top three. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because we just don't think about it. No, we don't. And once you have the awareness and then decisions come along or you are, you know, okay, what is my intention? Hmm. Well, I am motivated by wisdom, knowledge, growth, and therefore that's why I'm going to make this decision or not. Yeah. Um, it's really very, very interesting how that how that plays out. Because I would imagine decision-making, just as an example there around core values, actually, if you're not clear, is going to have a huge impact mm -hmm. on your impact mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. the outcome that you want. Yeah. Because again, I suppose, kind of not able to make decisions or precise decisions mm -hmm. as a leader, yeah. then it just makes it a little bit more clumsy and a little bit more difficult for right. people to truly understand. Yes. And I suppose what I'm hearing you say is that we have to start with self first. We have to get to know ourselves, which we would do in coaching anyway. Mm -hmm. But actually for a leader, it's about taking the time yes. to really get to know yourself. Yes. Yeah. as a person as well as a leader yes yeah. very much and it's interesting because there's 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 often this feeling that okay i'm here for leadership coaching or yeah. executive coaching or however they've called it we can't talk about my private life which is yeah. it makes no sense and so i've started using the example because everyone can follow it okay if you ate cake and drank coca-cola at every meal how would you feel after a week? Mm -hmm. Obviously, everybody says they would feel terrible. I said, would that influence your work at all? Obviously, yes, it yes. would, because they felt terrible. But your employer can't tell you what to eat or what not to eat, and yet it influences your work significantly. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with, you know, what are your values? What, you know, what are your emotions? What's going on yeah. in your private life? This, this clarity, your self-awareness. I also work with, um, there's a fantastic German tool called the, it translated, it's called the four columns of self-worth. Sounds interesting. It's fascinating because it's actually, it's two intrapersonal columns and two interpersonal. So there's self-acceptance, self-confidence, social network and social ability mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 
usually everyone's okay with that social piece. They know how to get along in the world. The side, yeah. It's the other side that's hard. Yeah. And that's where we find some interesting information. And again, it's not necessarily directly something that is influencing their leadership, but of course it is. Yeah. If you believe that you can do can do things, you mm. believe that, you know, if you have that self-acceptance or you don't. Absolutely. That's where, you know, some sometimes the imposter syndrome comes up. Mm -hmm. Um so I, I think those those that self-awareness is Absolutely. It's really the abs yeah. the the bread and butter. You've got to start there. I agree because I, I think without the acceptance, it is difficult then to really know your true voice. Yeah, and part of your job is to help people really find that voice and then amplify it. Mm -hmm. So, from that, you know, what what makes people not find their voice? What do you think? Is it self acceptance? Is it fear? What's the thing that might get in the way for people? A lot of it is the this is the path. Mm -hmm. You go to school, you potentially go to university, you get a job, you meet someone, you buy a house, you get married, you have a kid, you buy a car, and you tick all these boxes. And because we haven't gone through the process of thinking about what our core values are, or becoming self-aware, we don't actually know what makes us happy mm. because what makes you happy is not necessarily what makes me happy. And we've used this blueprint from everyone else and surprise, it might not actually be the blueprint for you. Mm. Um, and I think learning to recognize, I need my own path. Because I think we are conditioned to be a particular way or to yeah. operate in a particular way. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that kind of sense of coming home to your true voice, mm -hmm. I think it requires quite a lot of courage, actually. Very much. And a commitment to, as you said, first of all, understanding who you are. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you know, recognizing those values and, and really what you want to be bringing into whatever environment you're in, whether it's a personal home life or whether it's in your career, um, an environment with work. But I think that we sometimes can get lost and it in terms of wanting to maybe do what we think is right yes to fit mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. and to be you know in with the the crowd or mm -hmm. whatever just to get that sense of belonging and i think sometimes when we see leaders and certainly i've worked with a few leaders where they've they've stepped out of their comfort zone they've really used that courage and been bold then actually you know that they they, they they become really great leaders yes yes that's from my experience yeah. and mine and one of the tools that um that i added to my toolkit a few years ago that was transformative for me, not only in, in terms of my coaching, but in terms of recognition of, of my own path is um, Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy's Brilliant. Theory of Adult Development. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love it. I, I usually discuss it with every client because I think that it is exactly saying that, that, you know, as an adult, you get to the stage three socialized yeah. mind. You've been socialized through your, you know, school, family, community, culture to be a certain way, which is great. I mean, humans are social animals. We do need to be socialized to get along. Um, and what is right and wrong and what makes us happy and what does success look like? And 65% of adults stay there, which yep. is also fine. Um, but there are some who move beyond that, don't move they? beyond that into the self authoring mind, which I just think is the best title, Me too. right? You're writing your own story. Yeah. What are your you're more driven by your intrinsic values, you know, what your in inner values yeah. 
are, um, and you are the author of your own story. Mm-hmm. And that is transformative. And there is, you know, hard data to back up the yeah. the fact that the most effective leaders are the ones who are in the self-authoring mind. Yeah. But there's not as many. No, it's, it's like 20 to 30 percent. Yeah, percent mm-hmm. something, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was, I've been doing a lot of reading again over the years around that too. And I think it's absolutely fascinating. So I suppose then, obviously, you're going to be working with leaders in different categories of their own growth and human development. Yes. So a question I always get asked is, well, you know, can you move from socialized mind into self-authoring mind? Mm -hmm. I'm assuming the answer is yes. If you want to. If you want to. The the good news, and I think that's the good news, right? Because, I mean, stage one, childhood, stage two, adolescence, stage three, socialized mind, that that development is linear Mm -hmm. and it's absolutely not voluntary, mm-hmm. right? No baby looks around and thinks, huh, walking looks super complicated. I think I'll give that one a miss. I'll right? stay as a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens sort of at the same stage, same age, and in the same order as every other baby. Yeah. Whereas moving from the socialized mind to the self-authoring mind is totally by choice. Yeah. And that is what I think makes it so exciting. You yeah. can choose yeah. to grow. You can. But you're the one who has to put in all the effort. But isn't this where the ego comes in a little bit? Where people might be frightened to step out of that mm-hmm. socialized mind again, because maybe what people might think, mm-hmm. what they might say, will they still belong in that group or their clique or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, they, you know. Um, and I think, you know, when we're, when we're caught in that where our ego wants to keep us safe and to keep us small in many ways, um, then it's very easy just to keep falling in that trap of yes. just staying doing what we do because it's what we know and it's familiar Mm -hmm. territory. Mm -hmm. But I think what I'm hearing you say is that by choice, we can move into self-authoring. We can write, turn over the page, start a new chapter whenever we want. Mm -hmm. But it's about a conscious choice, which requires conscious communication with self. Yes. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. And that, I mean, that... I do actually encourage all of my clients to start journaling, Mm -hmm. to literally author their own mind and to get their own mind down on paper. Um, And I also, one of the things we talk about is, you know, the comfort zone, not that comfortable. It's not. Because it can be, it's, it's easy sometimes in that you, you don't need to think about what to do, how to act. But often people are really uncomfortable there. They're, you know, you're unhappy in the comfort zone. Yeah. And yes, leaving the comfort zone means entering the fear zone in order to get to the learning and growth zone. But it does mean that you're out of that discomfort yeah. of, I really wish I had said that and said yeah. something differently in the meeting. Why didn't I, or, you know, I didn't know what to do or, oh my gosh, I was so surprised when this person reacted this way and I don't know what's happening. That's not comfortable. No, definitely not. But I think it's also because like we said, it's familiar territory and we only, you know, sometimes we kind of only know what we know. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's only when we start to raise the awareness that we can then start to think, okay, well, I could do this differently. Mm-hmm. Or if I, you know, make the time out, take the time out, make the effort to discover more about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes, you know, I have clients myself, and I've even done it myself, when you start using your true voice, and it comes out all wrong. Mm-hmm. Because, you you know, you build it, build it up, and you think, right, I'm going to say what I feel, I'm going to say what I mean. And, you know, and even with all the best will in the world, 
it can just turn out a bit shit, can mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It can just come spilling out. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, oh my God, why has that happened? Because one, you don't get either the response or the, you know, you get the, don't get the response that you want. So somebody else might react badly to what you're saying. Now, there could be a reason for that though, because maybe they don't like what they're hearing. But two, sometimes we get nervous when we're taking that next step into yeah. that self-authoring yes. space. Yeah. And yet, it is uncomfortable to do that and it it isn't right at the beginning, but you know, the baby is also going to have to try to walk multiple times, hundreds maybe, before they get it right. Yeah. And it's the same for moving into that self-authoring piece too. Yeah. But going back to the zones though, is it sometimes though it's hard, right? As an adult, because again, we don't want to show ourselves up we don't make a fool of ourselves yeah. or people to judge or to criticize mm -hmm. us and so therefore we might retreat yeah rather than push forward right so what would you say to people who have been in those situations where they've said things they they've wanted to be more true with their own voice but yet they've had a bad experience what advice would you give them focusing on where you want to get to mm -hmm. i still use with every client i still use a milestone bridge and I'm the worst artist in the world. So I always draw a little stick figure that has a neutral face. And then I draw a little stick figure that has a smiley face. And I say, this is, this is you in, you know, in six months. And, but they have, they have already concentrated on where do I want to get to and why, mm -hmm. you know, why do I want to get to where, you know, and it's not as you, always wisely said, it's not transactional, yeah. right? I don't want to be 12% smarter. I don't want to be 12% better. It's transformational. Yeah. And that is truly what happens. Mm -hmm. So how do you want to feel when you reach the end mm -hmm. of this coaching journey, when you are the smiling stick figure? How do you want to feel? And let's capture that. Yeah. And then we refer back to that. Okay, you want to feel this way. And these steps are necessary in order to take you from socialized mind to self-authoring mind, to take you from neutral face to smiley face. And it's not a linear path, no. but it's something that is really important to you. And you've already established why. So just reconnect to the why generally works. And follow. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind you of know, what do we need to tweak? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The vision is there. The step, the strategy is there. Mm -hmm. What do we need to tweak? Yeah. Because this doesn't apply just to leaders though, right? No. I mean, it's everybody. Yeah. And a lot of, some of our listeners will be leaders. Some of the people won't be. So I suppose the same principles actually apply to, to everybody, really. Very much. And I mean, there are, there are leadership principles in every, I mean, are you the leader of your family? Yeah. Are you the leader of your own life? Are you the, I mean, they're principles that are really universally applicable. So you've done loads of work in this area, mm -hmm. and I can see passionately yeah. <laughs> that you love it, which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. The energy is just yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. So, but you've also, she said, been on your journey. So I'm keen to understand what lessons have you learned about you through this process of not only mm -hmm. doing it for yourself, but mm -hmm. also now helping others mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. it for themselves. One of the biggest learnings I had actually came from that four columns of self-worth because I always thought I had problems with self-confidence. And I really remember agonizingly vividly when I was doing the coaching course with you and we had to do a presentation about, you know, how 
do a bit of a sort of elevator pitch of you as a coach. I remember that. <laughs> it was agony. It was so difficult for me to put myself forward and to say what I thought I was good at and and why I was good at it. And that has that has been a transformation for me over the last four years to be and and part of that really came from part of it came from practice. But part of it came from recognizing that when I looked at those two intrapersonal columns, and I looked at the self confidence column, and I answered the five questions, yeah, I could do that. Yep. Mm -hmm. No problem. No problem. I didn't have a problem with self confidence. I had a problem with self acceptance. Yeah. I'd been working on the wrong thing all the time, which is why it had never worked. Mm -hmm. And once I realized, oh, actually, where where my deficit really is, is in the self self acceptance column, and started working on that. I did a lot of journaling, I did a lot of reading, I did a lot of talking. Um, I had a coach, I had a therapist. I have a very supportive husband. <laughs> <laughs> We had some, I had some really life-changing conversations around that. And the, the acceptance piece, I think, has really been filled in. And even just to recognize that the reason that I was having, I had never been successful at self-confidence was because I was working on the wrong thing. Yeah, but it's interesting because language obviously is, all of, is communication, right? Isn't it? So when we use words like confidence, and I think it's an easy go-to word, mm -hmm. So, you know, I have clients, I've done, even done it myself, so very similar to you, where you think, yeah, it's confidence, confidence is the issue. But actually, deep down, when you look underneath the surface and you do that deeper work, you recognize that perhaps it's, well, for me, it was about self-worth, mm -hmm. it was self-acceptance, mm -hmm. um, which I think was also tied in for me. But there's, there's, there's a whole range of things that sit underneath yeah. the word. And I think what I'm hearing you say there is that that is such an important life lesson. Yeah to just not get stuck with a label of the word. Yes. And for me, asking, is it the right word? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Is it oh, really yes. the right word? Yes. Yeah. And what does it feel like? Yeah. What does it feel like? And, you know, I'm aware of it. I know what it is. I know how it feels. I have the right word for it. And yeah. therefore, now I can work on it. Yeah. And in, in, in uh, it sounds easy. Yeah. To say, you know, <laughs> it's not that <laughs> there's easy. just these steps. <laughs> so, yeah, so easy. simple. But yeah, I think that that for me was a, a huge part of my journey, but also really getting in touch with the fact that my core values are fairness, sharing, and knowledge, wisdom, mm -hmm. growth. And that sharing piece for me is, I call it sharing. I haven't actually come up with the best word for it. I fluctuate between calling it love and calling it sharing. Um, that I, I love being able to share knowledge, share new learnings, um, interact with people. And being part of this transformation with people is such a gift it's, and it is so incredibly powerful that that has also really helped me to realize that okay yes there are parts that are difficult and yes there are aspects particularly of, of you know business that the skill set of being a successful coach and the skill set of being a successful business owner are not necessarily the same skills yeah. um but worth it I will absolutely invest the time, the energy, the frustration mm -hmm. into learning the business skills in order to be able to do yeah. this. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I can absolutely see that when you're talking and mm -hmm. definitely feel mm -hmm. it too. <laughs> Amazing. Mm -hmm. So what advice, I mean, you've shared loads of top tips, but as we draw our conversation to close, what do you think are the biggest, most important components to finding your voice and then amplifying it? I think I'm going to answer back to front. Yep. I think the amplification of your voice is one part courage, one part vulnerability, one part authenticity. Mm. And by finding your voice, you're able to amplify it. Yes. Because once you have found your voice, it's it becomes easier than to communicate, you know, my core values are these. That's why I, yeah. you know, I acted this way because my core value is. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I feel this emotional granularity and that's what, being vulnerable about your emotional granularity, being authentic about what your values are, yeah. being courageous enough to communicate both of those things. That's what amplifies your voice. And the finding it is really that self-awareness piece and going through whatever that journey looks like for you. Um, I, I work a lot with with the DISC communication profiles that you have these four different types of, of communication style. And I think it's so important to recognize that we don't all communicate the same no. and we don't all learn the same. So how do you find your voice might be different from me, but there are, you know, lots of different tools to help you along the way. Yeah. Um, and whatever that happens to be, if be it, you know, having coaching or reading a book or having a discussion with friends or, 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 um, the finding it is about that self-awareness piece and then communicating it is amplification. Yeah, and I think you use the word vulnerability there, which we haven't talked about, um, but that is quite big, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I suppose, especially, well, for everybody, mm -hmm. um, because none of us like feeling vulnerable or feeling exposed. And I suppose when we're trying to communi communicate our message, that sense of authenticity has to be there because mm -hmm. you know, people by people at the end of the day, whether you're a leader or non-leader, you're still yeah. a leadership, but yeah. you're still leader of your own life. So I think, as you've said, but it is difficult sometimes to accept that maybe you are vulnerable, but I suppose yeah. that's a bit of the self-awareness piece. Very much. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the biggest pieces of moving from the socialized mind to the self-authoring mind, because we are socialized not yes. mm -hmm. to be vulnerable and we are socialized not to admit when we make mistakes. Yeah. But if we was to swap it around. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the, I mean, Anything that has to do with vulnerability, Brene Brown is, yeah, you know, awesome. the guru of that. And and I'm a huge, huge fan of hers. Um, and one of the things that she discusses in Dare to Lead, which is one of my favorite books, is that the number one thing that you can do to engender trust is ask for help. Yeah. But we don't often do it. No. That's the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's that is that being vulnerable. It's not, it's not necessarily you're the person who never knows how to do anything. That's yeah. not what it is. It's asking for help. It's saying, I know how to do this, but I can't do that. Could you, can you help me? Absolutely. So I suppose with values then, it's also, I wonder if there's a step there about recognizing strengths as well in terms mm -hmm. of what you are bringing, what mm -hmm. you're contributing mm -hmm. and ac actually accepting and appreciating that, you know, I'm good at this, but you're good at that. Right. So it's okay to ask for help yes. because that's not my, that's not within my ballpark. You know, you yeah. can do that. Yeah. And a lot of people focus on what their weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the same for you, but when I when I get Always. my clients yeah. to, you know, can you list out your strengths and weaknesses? They come with like three strengths and eight 
thousand yeah. weaknesses, weaknesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which is completely out of proportion to what the reality yeah. is. Um, and so it's pretty hard to be vulnerable when you're coming from a position of such perceived weakness. Yes. I have three strengths and 8,000 weaknesses. That makes me so vulnerable that I have to hide it. Mm -hmm. And it takes so much energy yeah. to hide your vulnerability. Whereas if you become aware of the incredible number of strengths that you actually have, it becomes easier to be vulnerable about the probably few weaknesses yeah. that you actually have. And actually, I think there's something in just owning it. Yeah. Because, you know, for me, there might be weaknesses, but, you know, we don't necessarily always have to play to those weaknesses. Mm -hmm. We can play to our strengths and enhance rather than focus on the things yeah. you know the deficit stuff mm -hmm. but even if there are weaknesses if we just admit to it and say that these are not necessarily my strongest or best aspects of whatever then it just means that you're being truthful yes and you're mm -hmm. not hiding mm -hmm. like you said takes mm -hmm. up too much effort yeah uh, to keep hiding mm -hmm. and energy and um, when actually you're missing out on the opportunity just to be yourself right and and that that is that's where a lot of the amplification comes from. If you stop using your energy trying to not be vulnerable and authentic, could you imagine how much you can achieve? Right? <laughs> yeah, the world's amazing. your oyster. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Juliet, what an amazing conversation! Thank you for sharing all your wisdom and your knowledge, and sharing your growth as well with us. It's been fantastic. It's so, so thank fun you very much. Here. So before we go though, quickly, yep. um, where can people get hold of you? Because I'm sure people want to find out more about what you yep. do and. Um, my website is jnhcoaching.de for Deutschland, for Germany. Um, I'm on Instagram, jnhcoaching, LinkedIn, Julia Nicholson Harig. Um, I post my Thursday thoughts. Which is just brilliant, by the way. <laughs> I love them. They're so good. So if you yeah. haven't done Julia's Thursday thoughts, thoughts, please yeah. do. Yeah. Please do. And, and, I, and I write a newsletter every couple of weeks where I share usually leadership, but also human-related topics. But also... You are still an avid reader because I am. there are so many good tips on podcasts, mm -hmm. on books to mm -hmm. read and everything else. So mm -hmm. even if you just do those two things, the yeah. Thursday thought yeah. and, the, and newsletter. the newsletter, then you're going to be greatly rewarded. Yeah. But hopefully Thanks. people will come to your site. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much, Julia. Thanks for having me. It's been a thrill to be here. Thanks. Thanks.